Good morning, Bridge Fellowship. How are we? If it wasn't my last day, I would probably let that pass. But uh, in case you've never been here before, today's my last day, so we're going to try it again. Good morning, Bridge Fellowship. How are we today? See, that, that sounds like you're ready to worship the creator of the universe, right? That's how it should sound. Uh, before we do anything else, uh, selfishly, if you don't mind, uh, I would like to do this. So just everybody look happy and... Uh, there we go. I don't, I'm, I'm probably not going to get everybody, but um, just act like you love me even if you... <laughs> Are glad today's my last day. Anyway. Yeah, you can have that, honey. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to drink a little while we uh, talk today. It's water. Um, Because the meds I'm taking, um, and I know what you're thinking. Some of you have been coming for a long time. You're like, I thought he should be on meds this whole time. I know it's not that kind of meds. I had back surgery, and they make my mouth dry, so I'm going to drink water while we talk. Before we do anything else today, uh, I want to clear something else up, uh, if you don't mind. Um, I realize, and I know that many of you may have noticed that for the past few weeks to a month, in meetings, in conversations in the hallway and while I've been preaching you may have noticed that I've been a tad bit emotional um it's been kind of like you know this is kind of how it's been literally Uh, a conversation in the hallway last week a dude says to me man can you believe the Broncos start training camp this week and I'm like I know man (laughs) I love the Broncos And he starts to walk away, and I'm like, hey, I love training camp, man. You know, it's kind of been like that. My friend Mike Spitzmiller and I, where's Mike? Is he here? We went to uh, grab a burger uh, the other night uh, and just kind of talk. And uh, at the end of that uh, dinner, I talked him into taking me to Sonic to get a chocolate shake. And... I know what you're thinking. I know that sounds like a date, okay? But it was just two dudes going to grab a burger. And then we realized it was half price shakes after eight. So we went and got shakes, okay? Nothing else. That's it, okay? But we get our, the girl comes out and she gives us our shakes. And uh, I am literally going to town on my chocolate shake. And I look over at Mike and I just say, I really needed this man. Thank you for this shake. And I don't, know, I don't know what he was thinking, but that's just what's been going on in my body. So I would just like you to know that this week, in fact Thursday, we went to the doctor. And while we're at the doctor, I say to him, I have this whole list because we're moving and I want to make sure I get everything covered. And one of my questions was, Doc, for the last four or five weeks... I have felt like a 60-year-old woman on menopause. Like, what, what is going on 
with, you know, and he's like, well, let's check your meds. And he, he's like, well, wait a minute. When did you start taking this? And I'm like, ah, I don't know, three weeks. I don't know. I don't know. Are you, are you still taking this? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, stop taking that. No wonder you're a freaking mess right now. Stop taking that right now. Don't take that anymore. So I have stopped taking that. Okay? Now, I want to document right now on camera. By the way, we're on Facebook Live. Thank you for joining us. Family, friends, people that used to be a part of the bridge, we love you. Thank you for joining us. But I I just want it clearly documented, okay? If I'm not the blubbering mess that I have been the past few weeks today, it does not mean in any way that I'm not sad that I'm leaving the bridge, okay? I have just gotten off meds and gotten my emotions under control a little bit. And I know what some of you are thinking. This man has been a total emotional wreck for the last month. And today's his last day. And now he's happy? Uh Uh-uh. No, sir. We better have some tears today and they better be real. Our elders, just to let you know in case you're visiting the bridge for the first time today, our elders actually have a pool going, an over-under, of how many minutes I'm going to make it today before I start crying. (laughs) And I don't know what they set the over-under are, but I'm thinking like 12, okay? So I want you to know there will be tears, and I will not be the only one, okay? So anyway, because today's going to be full of stories and all kinds of good stuff, all right? There'll be tears today partly because, as many of you know, I have an overgifting of estrogen that runs through my brain sometimes. But there will be tears partly because today is not a normal Sunday. It's, it's no use pretending it. Today is hard because goodbyes are hard. And fortunately today, for most of us, if, if we're brothers and sisters in Christ... Uh, It's not goodbye, it's see you later. Uh, But don't miss this. Please don't miss what I'm about to say. And we we can say our goodbyes and hug it out later and and we can cry. And as soon as I walk off the stage, um, my wife's going to hand me narcotics. So I probably won't cry as much as you will um, because I'm going to be in a daze. And uh, uh, it's going to be good. Uh, Legally good. (laughs) But don't miss this, okay? We can do all that later. But please don't miss this. For the next several minutes, it is critical that we keep our focus on the right thing. And ultimately, that is Jesus Christ and His church. Not yours, not mine, His church. I want to start this morning by reading a passage from the Old Testament that it's kind of a similar situation in in what we're walking through here this morning. It's not exactly, I'm not trying to pretend it's exact this. I'm not trying to compare myself to Moses, so cut it out, save your comments. But it's pretty similar. So I just want to read out of Deuteronomy chapter 31, and I'm kind of picking pieces here from verse 2 to 6, so just read with me and then I'll explain. Deuteronomy 31, starting in verse 2, the Bible says this, The Lord has told me, this is Moses talking, you will not cross the Jordan River, but the Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. And now Joshua will lead you across the river 
just as the Lord promised. Don't miss these words. So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you and he will neither fail nor abandon you. And what's going on here is taking place about three or 4,000 years ago. And there's this moment where Moses has been leading God's people, the children of Israel, we call them. He rescued them out of captivity in Egypt, and he's been leading them for about 40 years. And they've been wandering and taking wrong turns and going through the Red Sea and all this kind of stuff. And, and now they've come to the Jordan River, and the Jordan River is all that separates them from what, what we know as the promised land, the, the land that God promised his people. And all this time, Moses has been the leader. And what's happening in Deuteronomy 31 is that God is telling Moses, I'm changing the plan. I know that you've been leading, but your job is done. You've done what I asked you to do. And now Joshua is going to lead them across the river into the promised land. God brought me here for, for a reason. He brought my whole family here. And when I, when I came here, I, I, I thought he was bringing me here to be the forever pastor. That's really what I thought. But what we've realized now, similar to the conversation he had with Moses, is that he didn't bring me here to be the forever pastor. He brought me here to be the founding pastor. And as I said last week, which you may not have been able to understand me last week because I was bawling as I said it, founding pastor of the Bridge Fellowship Church in Colorado Springs is a title that I will forever hold proudly. It is, it is a small part of the story that I got to play, and I am proud of that. Because the story that God is writing of the Bridge Fellowship is just beginning. That's why today is not sad or bad. It's actually a celebration. It's the next leg of the journey. Just like Deuteronomy 31, the conversation that God had with Moses is, hey, look, you did your job. Now for the next leg of this journey, as we go into the promised land and we've got to conquer these people and take over the land, Joshua's going to do that. Now, let's talk honestly. Everybody look at me. And if you're new here, we're, we're this, this is the way we are all the time, okay? So if you don't like it, you might want to visit somewhere else next, next week. Just shooting straight with you, okay? We're not sure who our Joshua is yet. And we're not positive when he's coming. I'm just shooting straight with you. But look at me, church. I am positive he's coming. God has laid it on my heart. And I want to encourage you this morning. And our elders are going to share more with you later about the, where we are in the process and how this is happening. But I want you to be encouraged this morning and know this. God is moving in the hearts of some men right now 
all across the country about this job. And the reason I know that is because I've spoken to them myself. He's moving. So I don't want you walking out of here today thinking, well, Steve's gone, so this thing's going to die. And we'll talk more about that in a second. Look at me. God is moving in the hearts of some men, some really good men, good leaders, good communicators, some of them way better than me. And I know some of you are like, well, you're not that great. So, you know, God's moving. Do you hear what I'm saying to you this morning? Be encouraged, church. And by the way, I didn't even ask our elders permission to say that. But what are they going to do, fire me? (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Before we dive into the main part of the message today, and I know there's somebody, especially if you're new here, you're like, that wasn't the message? Nope. That wasn't even the introduction. But I want, I want to, in all seriousness, it, it, it is going to be longer than normal today. And it was my idea to bring your kids in here today. Okay, so if you're mad, it's my fault, okay? But listen to me. Hang on till the end. Because if you'll stay with me all the way through what we're going to talk about today, look at me. I promise you, you're going to be glad you came here today. Just hang on. So let me start by saying this. All throughout Scripture... Old Testament, New Testament, there have been spiritual leaders of groups of people who at one time or another have, have had to stand before their people and say hard things, okay? Drink break. Let me give you some examples. Moses, Noah, David, Peter, Paul, you name it. All, all of these guys have led spiritual groups of people at one time or another and they've had to stand up before them and say some things that were hard to say and maybe not everybody in the group that they were leading wanted to hear. And whether we like it or not, for the next hour or so, I am the spiritual leader of the Bridge Fellowship Church. And before we dive into today's message, I think it's important and I love you enough to say some hard things. There's some things I've been praying about for a long time. And there are things that I say to you today in love. And if you've been around the bridge very long, going all the way back to February 7th, 2016, or you've been with us for a few weeks, I hope if you know nothing else about me, you know that when I say things to you, I say it because I love you. And I care about you. And I genuinely want the best for you. That wasn't a tear, by the way, on the overall. That was just a quiver. (laughs) Over under. So, listen. If you're a visitor today, I'm asking you, will you give us, just excuse us for a moment and let us have a family talk and then we'll get into the real message today, which I promise is shorter than all this other stuff we're doing today. Okay? So let me talk to my family bridge. Number one, today is not a funeral of a church. I need to remind you again, like I have since February 7, 2016, this church has never been 
and never will be about Steve Ferris. It has always been about Jesus. And, and long after I'm gone and long after you're gone, frankly, it will always be about Jesus. This is his church. And this is not the end. It's just the starting of a new journey, another leg of the journey. And it's going to be exciting. And can I tell you something that's exciting, church? Normally, let me tell you what happens. I'm just shooting straight with you. I didn't ask permission to say this either from our elders. Usually, when a guy follows a founding pastor, there is a short season where God does something miraculous, special. It's almost like the founding pastor lays the foundation of a house, you know what I'm saying? And, and if you drive by and, and you're excited about the building of a house and all you see is foundation, you're kind of like, cement, meh. And the foundation is critically important. But then in that next season, you start seeing boards go up. And you go, oh, now we've got a house. Now, now I can see. Now, now I'm excited. And I believe that's what's going to happen in this next season. Whether God brings this next pastor to stay three years like I have, or, or, or five years, or 30 years, I don't know. But I believe God has something special for the Bridge Fellowship. So today's not a funeral. It's not over. It's just beginning. Very clear? Number two. If you have already started thinking about looking for another church just because I'm leaving, shame on me. And you heard me correctly. Shame on me. Because that means I did not teach you correctly about why you come to church. I must have taught you that you come to hear what a particular man has to say because you like the way he says it. Or sometimes he makes you laugh. You don't come to church to hear a guy speak or teach. You come to church to worship and hear from God, the creator of the universe, and the creator of your soul, and the guy, the creator, who sent his son to die for your soul. That's why you come to church. So if you've already started looking just because I'm leaving, shame on me. Because I didn't do a very good job. Because this ain't about me. Nobody needs to hear what I have to say. And not one word that comes out of my mouth has the power to change somebody's life. So your job should be to stay right here and keep helping people bump into Jesus because that's why we birthed this thing. Number three. I'm going to need a drink before this one. Some of you actually might want a drink before this one, but. And this is the last one, so you're lucky. If you are not volunteering somewhere within the Bridge Fellowship right now, and if you're visiting, it's not about you. If you've come more than three times, this is about you. Because if you come more than three times, you're family. Sorry. So this applies to you. If you are not volunteering somewhere within the Bridge Fellowship right now, shame on me and shame on you. Let me start with me. Shame on me because I I have not taught you that you grow best by doing and serving. 
That's how you grow. You do not grow best by sitting and listening. You grow best by doing and serving. That's how you grow. If you sit and soak and listen and never get up and serve, you die inside spiritually. You just get sour and die. God designed you, not just me, He designed you to serve. And so if I, ha- if I have not made this clear enough, I apologize to you, because shame on me. This is not a spectator sport. This is a church. It's a family. And that means you have a job to do. One of my mentors, one of my heroes in the faith, a guy named Rick Warren, says this, if people in your church have a role and a relationship, they'll stay forever. And you know what that means? Get your butt in a life group and find yourself a job to do. That's what that means. In Steve's language, Rick would say it nicer. So if I haven't made it clear before, I'm making it clear today. Bridge Fellowship, family. I don't care how messy you are. I don't care how dark you think you are or unqualified. Get out of your seat and serve your church. I'm going to be specific for just a couple of minutes here. Is Chris still in here? All right, Chris, stand up. Everybody look. Lovely Chris Redinas back there. Keep waving, Chris, so they'll see you. Chris is our children's pastor here at the bridge. And she takes care of about 100 kids a week. And I, I want everybody to look at me. Look at me. If you breathe, if you're not dead, if you can breathe... You can pass a background check and you don't hate children. You should go to her immediately after the service today and you should say, put me on the list. And let me explain why. And I'm going to say something really hard right here. If you're a parent and you attend the bridge and you don't serve at least once a month, shame on you. Because this is not babysitting service. This is teaching your children biblical principles that will last them a lifetime. I'm not just talking to parents. I'm talking about anybody here, and I'm not joking. You have to pass a background check. But beyond that, as long as you literally don't hate children, you can rock babies, you can play with toddlers, and you can teach our older kids biblical principles in fun and exciting ways that make them difference makers for the rest of their life. Look at me, church. We don't know who's sitting in there every Sunday. And they need some adults who love them that will come in there and teach them biblical ideals and principles so that when they get older, they own their own faith and they go out in this world and they make a bigger difference than any of us did. So stop sitting, find Chris either today or on August 19th at our tailgate, and I'll talk more about that in a second, And get signed up to serve kids. Listen to me. If every parent and every other person in here that can pass a background check serves one week a month. One week. One week. That means you come in here three and you're only in there one. She'll have to turn people away. So I know know I'm brave in saying this because it's my last day and you can be mad at me all you want. But some of you are soakers. 
And you're like, I ain't missing the service, so somebody else is going to watch those kids. Can I tell you something real serious? Last week, we had to close one of our kids' classrooms because we didn't have enough people to watch our kids and take care of them. And I know that wasn't God's plan. So get up and go serve our kids. Number two, first impressions. Where's Jamie? Jamie, are, are, you, are you like doing Facebook Live? Can you stand up? Like, can both of those things happen? Okay, stand up, keep waving. That's Jamie. Jamie Laparolari. Took me three years, two and a half years to pronounce her name. But I got it. We call her Jamie Lap. Jamie does our social media, which if you're not following us on Instagram or Facebook, you should be by now. Shame on you. God told me that this morning while I was praying. You should be following us on Instagram or Facebook. We need people that make it so special for people when they walk through those front doors. And so I'm telling you, if you can smile, if you can hold a door, and if you can pour, pour coffee, then you need to go see Jamie as soon as we're done today or on August 19th at the tailgate. And you need to say, put me to work. Now, look at me. I've got to have an honest conversation here. Cause, and, and I know some of you are going to laugh, but I'm serious. If you're grumpy, if you have sour face, that's not your area, okay? Don't go to Jamie. If you look scary to people, like Jason Pack. Jason Pack is not, he's not allowed on... Listen, Pete, he's awesome. People love him. But when you first see him, you think, he could hurt me. And I kind of have this feeling in my heart that he wants to hurt me. He's awesome. But he's not allowed to do first impressions. But some of you, some of you just, you have what I call smiling eyes. You know what I'm talking about? You just, you just have this smile. And, and you know what I'm talking about. You know I'm not joking around. The power of a smile, man. And you know what's, you know what's different about, about church in Colorado than in the South where I come from? See, a lot of people in the South, in the Bible Belt, they go to church every single Sunday because it's what they've done their whole life and they just think, that's what I'm supposed to do. I, I just go to church. People here in Colorado, it's different. Most of the people who walk through our doors are seeking they're searching for something. They're looking for answers. And just a smile from you or a hello or to kneel down and get on a kid's level and give them a high five or just handing somebody a cup of coffee or a donut. It seems so simple, but it's huge. And look at me. If you're just sitting in here doing nothing, you got no excuse. Go to Jamie and say, I'll serve. This one's quick. Tech because not very many people can do tech, so don't joke with yourself, okay? Like, we could blow this building up. So, <laughs> if, if you want to serve on tech or student ministry, go see Brandon. Brandon, where are you? Is he, did he slip out? Okay, so you know Brandon, plays a guitar, good-looking guy up here. Go say, I want to work with middle school students, high school students, and I promise I won't blow things up, I want to help with tech. Go, go see him. And then the last one. And this is the one I'm, I'm most serious about. 
I think it's easy when a church, a baby church like the Bridge Fellowship grows as fast as, as this one has, it's easy to become complacent. And, and if you're watching live on Facebook Live today, I know you can't see everybody, but there's a lot of people in this gym. And, and it started with a very few amount of people in a library. And if we're not careful, we become complacent and we think, well, somehow this school just turns into a church sometime between Friday at 3 p.m. And, and when I walk in on Sunday. And that's just not true. There's a group of men and women who show up here at 7.30 a.m. every stinking Sunday morning. Snow, sun, rain, whatever it is, they're here and they work their butts off turning this place into a church so that people can meet Jesus. And here's the crazy thing about that one. It's the easiest job of all to qualify for. You don't even have to pass a background check. I, I don't even care if you're a convicted felon. And I know there are people watching somewhere and listening right now and going, oh my Lord, I'm never going to that church. Fine. We need your seat. Now listen to me. All you got to do is show up here at 7.30 in the morning. These guys, where's Travis? Stand up, Travis. Travis is so hot. He's taken, but there's a little man crush going on right here. Stay standing up for just a second. Look, come to this guy and just say, hey, I, I don't know what you want me to do, but I will come at 7.30 every morning. I'll help. And he, it's the same way. If everybody will do it once a month, we can train people and have different rotations of teams, and nobody will have to do it all the time. That's how it works. Okay? And here's what's crazy about it. You have time to go home and get your family. You have time to go home and get breakfast. I was freaking out last Sunday because last Sunday, after they set up, I walked in the cafeteria and they were serving breakfast. I don't, I don't know if that's, I'm not promising that's every week, but I'm talking like eggs and bacon and like man breakfast. And I'm not just saying that because this is a man job. Ladies can help. Some of our most important setup crew are ladies. It is so simple. And so, here's a, thank you, Travis. Here's the reason for all that. And, and this is the hard part. Here's the shame on you part. It's just too easy. Like, it's so easy to serve. Let me tell you something we, we birthed. This will be our third year to do it on August 19th. We started something called our fall tailgate. And it's designed for you. What happens is after church, um, either here in the gym or out on the lawn or wherever, there will be tents and tables everywhere so that you can do two things. Find a life group. Find people to do life with. Find two o'clock in the morning friends. And then find a job to do. Find a ministry to serve in. And, and they're going to have food. It's so easy. You just walk up. You, you give them your information. They'll contact you. They'll get you in a rotation. Done. That easy. That's why it's shame on you if you're not serving yet. Because it's just too stinking easy. Okay. I'm done. 
So we should probably pray now. God, I love this church. I will love this church for the rest of my life. I will be a part of this church for the rest of my life. And I am honored that for some reason you chose me to start it. As we share about you today, I pray that there's even one person here who's searching and hurting and broken and just looking for some hope. And I pray that we can give them that today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Here's, here's a really funny part of all this, is that that prayer wasn't even to start the real message. <laughs> you guys are laughing nervously because you think I'm kidding, but I'm laughing because I know it for real. We're not starting yet. But I promise, the real message is so short, you're going to go, that was fast. But I need to share some things with you, and it's important. 117 weeks ago, we officially launched the Bridge Fellowship on April 24th, 2016. However, 128 weeks ago, in a blizzard on Super Bowl Sunday, the day that Peyton Manning and the Broncos defeated Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers, about 50 people showed up in a blizzard to start meeting and worshiping God in the library of this school. And I've only done this a couple of times, but I'm going to do it one more time today so that you can see how God's grown this church. If you are an original, if you were in the library with us in those early days, would you stand real quick? Just stand where you are. If you were original library people, that deserves applause because, let me tell you why. Thank you. You guys can have a seat. Let me tell you why it deserves applause. Two couple reasons. Number one, because they're still here. <laughs> but it shows something really important. And you can't miss this today. Because I'm telling you, on that morning, I gathered our small team together and I'm like, it's okay, guys. Because we're all from the South. Everybody that came here to start this church, we're all Southerners. And like when, it's, when it sprinkles sleet in the South, they just stay home for like four days. Nobody goes anywhere, right? <laughs> so I gather our team together on that day and I'm like, guys, it's okay. I know nobody's going to come today, but, but it's okay. We need to practice. So let's go ahead and set everything up and, and just pretend there are people here. And 54 people came that day. And, and absolutely. And I'm telling you, that's, that's the moment that our team looked each other in the eye and we went, God, God's up to something here. Like, I think God wants a church here in Northeast Colorado Springs. Right? I mean, like, that was the moment where we were like, God's doing something. So, so look at me. Just because I'm leaving doesn't mean that plan's over. 
The plan that started in a blizzard with 54 people, that's God's plan. I mean, that's not normal. My, my friend Bill Lighty is here, who is a church planting specialist here in uh, Colorado Springs. He's been doing this for years and years. He's really old. I'm just telling you, he's been, he's, he knows what he's talking about. And, and Bill is my witness. Baby churches that start in a blizzard on Super Bowl Sunday, 54 people don't show up. That's not normal. I'm just telling you. And everything since, including today, look around the room. This is not normal. And this is God's plan. I'm going backwards, right? 117 weeks ago, we officially launched. 128 years ago, uh, years ago. Okay, confession time, all right? I had to take meds before I came up here today because I knew it was going to be long, okay? So praise God for drugs. 128 weeks ago in a blizzard, about 50 people started meeting in the library. But 158 weeks ago, over under, three families packed up everything they owned and they moved to Colorado with a dream in their heart that maybe we could start a church where people would feel safe to bump into Jesus. There are really more people involved in that and I hope some of you are watching on Facebook today. But I think it's really important that you see who those people are. Like I said, I wish all of them were still here today, but Brandon, come on up, buddy. I want you to just stand with me for a minute. The whole Patton family, Noah and Nathan, y'all come up here too. Mean, come on up. I wish that Randy and Shelly Cuellar were standing here today. I wish that Heather were standing here today. I wish that Maddie Strickland, John Mark Pantana, I wish my daughters Kaylee and Allie were standing here today because all of those people very early believed in this thing when it was nothing more than a dream in my heart. It was crazy. And these people picked up their whole lives. They quit their jobs. They left their homes. They left their families. And they moved here believing that Jesus, not me and not them, but believing that Jesus Christ would begin to do this. And just in, in under just two years, we've baptized 80 people. And what's funny about that is there's probably somebody in the South watching on Facebook Live and they're like, 80 people, we do that all the time. Well, this ain't the South, Jack. And... And it's hard. And Bill, you know this. It's hard. And man, you preach this to me over and over again. It's hard to build a church 
outside the Bible Belt. And this past Easter, on only our second official Easter, 452 people gathered here to worship Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And I want them to hear me say to you that I love you. And there's no way you could ever tell this story without you guys. I know I get all the credit, but you guys know that without you it doesn't happen. So give these guys a hand one more time. Thank you. Love you. For some of you, the best news of the whole day. Here's the real message. And it's short. And it's easy. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read two stories from the New Testament. Each of these stories in them has what we call everlasting truth in those verses. And if you were here last week, you remember we learned some Greek. The word everlasting in the Greek, in the original Greek language, if you study it like I do because I study Greek, I'm smart like that. The, the word everlasting means it lasts forever. Okay? All right? So the stuff that we're going to put on the screen today dur- during these two quick scripture passages that I'm going to read, if you see something on this screen besides scripture, the scripture is absolutely everlasting truth. And then there are these little points we're going to put up. And they're worth taking a picture of with your phone, and we're fine with that here. And those points are born out of that everlasting truth that we call God's Word. So they're worth taking a picture of and making a part of your life. And I promise it's quick. Then after I tell those, read these two Bible stories, I'm going to tell some real quick stories about some people in this room. And then we're going to do something else, and I have no idea, and I'm probably not going to like it, but here we go. You ready? Luke 19, verse 1. The Bible says this. Now Jesus entered Jericho, made his way through the town. As he did, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector. I'll come back and explain that in a minute. In the region. He'd become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed up a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. He said, Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I've got to be a guest at your house today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down from the tree and, and he took Jesus to his house. And I know some of you are like me. You grew up in, in the south. And as soon as I started reading this, you're like, Zacchaeus was... Everybody... Okay, stop. Some of you are not that good. Please stop. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down, verse 6, and he took Jesus to his house in great excitement. But look what happened. The people, and by people, the author Luke here is describing church people. They were displeased, and they said, He has gone, Jesus, meaning 
He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and he said, I will give half my wealth to the poor Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, which he did, I will give them back four times as much as I stole from them. And this was Jesus' response. Not shame on you. Not you're voted off the island. Not, no, you did too many bad things, Zacchaeus. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this house today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. And that's, that's what they called people back then that basically to describe, they get it. They understand spiritually. And this famous verse, and this is why we're telling this story today. For the Son of Man, and Jesus is referring to himself here. He, while he walked around on earth, he would, he would refer to himself as the Son of Man. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Zacchaeus was not a believer when he climbed up that tree that day. Not even close. In fact, he was the scum of the town. If you'll remember, the passage says he'd become very rich. And the way he'd become very rich is he would tax people. And he would skim some off the top for himself. And then he would give the rest to the Romans who were trying to control his people. He was like a middleman that was stealing from his own people and keeping some for himself. And it was so low that some theologians say that the hatred for tax collectors in Jesus' day is compared to the hatred for terrorists in our world today. That's the kind of guy we're talking about. He was a crook, a skeptic, but he was also seeking. Because if he wasn't, he wouldn't have climbed up the tree. He was seeking answers to the meaning of life. And at some point along the way, he heard about this guy named Jesus, either, either because of the tricks he was doing or because he, he thought, maybe there's really something to this. So he ran up ahead of the crowd that was following Jesus and he climbed up a tree. Like, do you realize, like, any grown man, that's going to draw some attention to you, right? But if you're one of the richest men in town, like, I, I, it just came to my mind, if you, if you know the movie, uh, It's a Wonderful Life at Christmas Time, like, Mr. Potter, right? Like, I'm, I'm thinking of Mr. Potter climbing up a tree. How embarrassing, But Zacchaeus climbed up a tree to get a glimpse for himself at what all this fuss was about, about this guy named Jesus. And so here's truth number one that's worth taking home today. You do not have to already be a Christian or a believer to come to church. This is a place to seek after and find answers. It's safe. And I know what some of you are thinking because you've had experiences like I've had. Not at some churches I've been to. It is not safe to seek. It is not safe to ask hard questions. And I want you to know, we don't get everything right here at the bridge. But I'm proud of this one. Because we got this one right. Because it is safe to come here and seek. You don't have to 
stop at the door and show your Jesus card here. It's safe to come here and go, I don't know if I get it yet. I, I'm not sure I believe this. In fact, it's, it's safe, and you're going to see this in a minute when we tell these stories about these bridge people. It's safe to just say, you know what, I think this is a bunch of bull. This next one, I'm going to show you on the screen, we say all the time here on the bridge, and we didn't come up with this, but we believe it's true and we believe it's everlasting. In fact, get this, unfortunately, the guy who did originally say this statement recently fell flat on his face because of his own poor choices, which I think further drives home the fact that this is an everlasting truth. And it goes like this. God uses broken and messy people because broken and messy people are all he has to choose from. That's you and me. And, and the reason that truth is so important is this. I know that what I call the chatterbox, the enemy, Satan, the devil, whatever you want to call him, I know one of the number one ways he keeps people from living the life that Jesus planned and died for them to have is he whispers in your ear, you're not good enough. You've messed up too bad. Don't tell anybody you did that. You'll never measure up to those other people. Don't, don't pretend that God would ever use you. You're way too far gone. God uses broken and messy people like this guy because broken and messy people are all he has to choose from. Do not forget those truths. They are part of the foundation of this church. Second story real quick. Let me set it up just real quick. Okay, You guys have heard this. If you've been around the bridge even for a very long, you know this. Historically, Jews and Samaritans hated each other. Two ethnic groups of people, religious groups of people, they hated each other. It wasn't even appropriate to speak to each other in public, okay? Jews, Samaritans hated each other. During Jesus' time, in the story that I'm about to read to you real quick, it was not appropriate for a man to speak to a woman in public that was not his wife. It was just not appropriate. Because at that time women were considered basically property, like a dog. And I hate to say that, it's kind of true. So, so men just didn't speak to women in public. They didn't bother with women because they were just somebody else's property. And that sets up this story. And I, I'm, I'm chopping it up here, but you'll get the point. John chapter 4, starting verse 13. So, so I, I probably need to say this much, okay? So, Jesus um, has been teaching, and he's tired, and he's thirsty. So his, his, his disciple guys go to town to get some food, and he goes to Jacob's well. That's where you went to get water. And can, can, I, can I say this? Look, in Jesus' day, it was all about the water. You had to have water to sustain life. It was so important. So he just goes to the well to get a drink, and there's a woman there. We pick up the story in verse 13. And Jesus answered to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. And, and what had happened is Jesus spoke to her, which you're not supposed to do because she's a woman, and he asked her for a drink of water, and then she's like, why are you talking to me? You're a man, and I'm a Samaritan, and you're a Jew, and all that kind of stuff. And they get talking, right? 
And, and Jesus makes this amazing statement. Everybody who comes to this well for water is eventually going to come back here because they're thirsty again. But everybody who drinks the water that I came to earth to give will never be thirsty again. Indeed, he says, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to become eternal life. Verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't be thirsty anymore. She doesn't get it yet. And so I don't have to keep coming here and drawing water. That made sense to her. I don't want to come here every day. Give me some of that water. And then he does something that's really important. He told her, go call your husband and come back. And I got to believe, like the story we told last week, her face drops. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands. And the man you're now with is not your husband either. What you have said just now is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. And and this is the moment where she knows it's not a normal man I'm talking to here. Jump ahead to verse 25. After talking some more and talking about her life and sharing a little bit more with her, Jesus and her are having this conversation. His his disciples come back and they're freaking out, by the way, because he's talking to a Samaritan and a woman and they're like, what are you doing? You're not supposed to be doing this. Verse 25, the woman says, I now know, excuse me, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I am the one that you're speaking to. I am he. Like, that's me. Steve's translation. He says to the woman, he's not even supposed to be talking to. I am what you've been looking for. I'm the one. And that's when his disciples return in verse 27. They're like freaking out. Most important verse of this whole story is verse 28. Then... Leaving her water jar. And I'll explain how important that is in just a second. The woman went back to the town that she lived in. Her village. And said to the people. Three really important words. Don't ever forget these. If you don't hear anything else I say today. And you're a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ. Don't forget these three words. All she said was. Come and see. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And look what happened. When all she did was went back to her town and said, come and see. That's all she did. It says they, they came streaming out of the town and made, made their way to meet Jesus. Please don't miss this today. This might be the game changer for somebody in this room. The thing you've been searching for your whole life. That thing that you were hoping would bring hope, peace, joy, purpose, and strength. It's been right in front of you the whole time. It's called Jesus Christ. I'm pausing on purpose. Because I want that to settle in this room. 
Because I believe there are people that came in here today thinking, if I can just have enough of this, if I could just have more of this, if I could just have a different fill-in-the-blank, then I'd have hope, joy, peace, purpose, and strength. If then, if I could just have this, then I'd be happy. And, and, and look, look at me. I, I, I know some of you in this room very well, and some of you I don't know at all. But I'm, I'm, I'm talking truth to you here today. You can play that game for the rest of your life, the if-then game. You can, you, can, you can chase after whatever it is you want to chase after for the rest of your life. Money, power, women, status, stuff, possessions. You, you can play that game the rest of your life and you're going to keep coming back for more because it's going to keep leaving you wanting more. The only thing that will fill you up. That's what he meant by the living water. The only person that will never leave you, never abandon you, never mistreat you, never deceive you. It's Jesus, man. It's always been Jesus. And, and some of us, and maybe you're one in this room today, some of us are just too stinking hard-headed to believe that can actually be true. Some of us are still in that place where, come on, man, it just, just sounds too easy. You know what's crazy about that statement? When people go, come on, man, just, just give Jesus my life, hand over the keys of my life to Him, trust Him with everything in my life, and I'll go to heaven, and I'll be able to have peace, hope, joy, purpose, and strength. On the... It's just too easy. You know what's crazy about that? It wasn't easy because Jesus died. It's not easy. None of the gospel story is easy. It's only easy for us because it was a free gift. Look at this. This is what I explained about leave her jar. It's so important. When you discover that Jesus is in fact what you've been looking for all along, the only job that he asks you to do Besides, go take care of kids and help set up. And don't. Your only job is to leave your jar and go tell others about this man who changed your life. And just real quick, this woman's job was to go get water for either her family or her neighborhood or her tribe. I'm telling you, water was that important. And then... In this instant where she, the light bulb comes on and she knows who she's talking to. She realizes, you're what I've been looking for all my life. It's Jesus, man. This is what I've been looking for. The Bible says she left her jar. She could have faced punishment. She could have faced exile. She's the water girl. Like, nothing was more important. And to her that day, she made the decision... No, nothing more important, even my job as the water girl is more important than running home to my hometown right now and saying those three words, come and see. And because she made it so important, the Bible says that people came streaming from town to see Jesus. 
We never intended, and I know, I know, I have had the conversation with some of you, and you have come clean and admitted to me that you're these people. We never intended for this church to stay small. The goal is to reach thousands and thousands and thousands of people with hope and joy and truth and peace. That's, that's the reason we planted this thing. And, and you guys know, and, and some of you have left and you've come back, and I, I don't know where you stand today, but I'm just going to tell you. If you're hoping that we're going to stay this small little church where everybody knows each other and it's easy and all that, you're in the wrong church. Because that was never the plan. Matthew 28, when Jesus said, go make disciples, he never put a number limit on it. He didn't say, when you have 452 people on your second Easter, stop. Don't grow anymore. That's perfect. Your job. And, and here's what's crazy is, it's not, it's not just my job because I get paid. Like, it's your job. You know what my job actually is as the pastor, the shepherd of the church, is to teach you to do all this stuff. And one of the things that my job is to teach you is to go to your village, which means where you work, your neighbors, people you hang out with the gym, other parents of your kids' ball teams, whatever it is, go tell them, come and see. And one of our commitments here at the bridge is that we've made it safe for you to invite your friends to come and see. I still wear this bracelet that says, say something. Go to work or to the gym or wherever this week and just say something. If Jesus has done anything in your life, say something. Because you might just have the power to be the one that in that divine moment helps them bump into Jesus and it changes their life forever. I close today with a few stories for people here in this room. And all I'm doing, and, and I know, thank you for being so patient today, and I'm only telling you these stories to show you this is the bridge. This is, this is what this is. This is what we intended it to be. Number one, Remember when I said 158 weeks ago, three families left everything they owned and they came here. One of those families was a young couple named Brandon and Heather Stokes. And about a year after we got here, all that changed. Because the Brandon that you see up here, man, and he worships God and he loves you. Man, he loves you hard. His wife gave up and she left. She left him, she left the church. She just left. And right before my very eyes, I had to watch the literal life be sucked out of this young kid who I asked to come here and do this with me. And I love you, church. But if not doing this would have helped his marriage stay together, it would have been a hard choice for me. 
I'm just shooting straight with you. I know, I know it's sexier for us to say, no man, for Jesus, man. It was hard. It broke my heart watching him hurt. And let me tell you why I'm telling his story today. And the reason I'm not pointing him out back there is you know who he is because you see him every day. Every week when, when he's up here. And the reason I'm telling his story real quick is because of the way you cared for him when his life fell apart. You did it right, church. You took him in. And, and can I say this? We did it right. If you're, if you're watching on Facebook Live, and I, as a church, we got it right. Because I've been a part of so many churches where if, where if a spouse leaves a pastor, it's over. He's fired. His name is swept under the rug and never mentioned again. That's broken in our churches in America. Because there's some standard that we go, well, there must be something wrong if his wife left him, so you're fired. Don't ever mention his name again. Are you kidding me? It's not the church. We got it right in this church. I watched you. And I'm telling you, listen, we, we sent Brandon to counseling. He, he chose to go to counseling. There were a lot of long talks, and we, it's been a long road. But look at me, church. I'm not lying to you. The, a huge reason that that man can still stand here on Sundays and lead you to the altar of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And the reason that he can get up here at such a young age and preach and communicate like he can just a year after walking through all that is because you cared for the sheep well. And I just want you to know that's the kind of church we're going to keep being. I don't know who the pastor is going to be, but that's not changing. We're going to care for our sheep. Second, quick story here. Every Sunday, almost every Sunday, right here on the front row, is a friend of mine named Shane Dykeman. Shane, just stand, because you're, you're a huge man. I want them to see. Like, <laughs> not that way. You're just huge. Thank you. Have a seat, Shane. Shane and his wife, Renee, started coming really early. And I remember one of my first conversations with Shane was in the, in the lobby outside the library, because y'all are library people, right? Yeah. And Shane was convinced that Brandon and I were going to be afraid of him and run him off. And the reason is, is because Shane doesn't believe all this that we talk about every week. Agnostic, atheist, whatever you want to call him, he doesn't believe all this. The guy that just stood. But he's here every week. And, and he, he, doesn't, he doesn't come up after church. <laughs> Trust me, he doesn't come up after church and go, that was a, you guys are idiots, man, for believing all this. <laughs> I do remember one time we went to lunch. And at lunch that day, it became very apparent to me very quickly Shane, this atheist agnostic, knew more about the Bible than I did, and it made me ashamed. 
You know why he knows a lot about the Bible? Because he's seeking. And last week when I asked permission to tell his story today, the one thing he wanted you to know, and you stand here as my witness, is the reason people that don't believe come in here is because they're looking for something. They're searching. And this church will always be the kind of church where Shane Dykemans can feel safe to come and sit and leave on Sunday and go, I just can't make my mind believe that. But I'm seeking, so I'm coming back next week. And I didn't ask Shane's permission to tell this part, but I think, like, like here's what's crazy about Shane. Shane is a nuclear physicist. For years, for the, for the military, now for, he's a contractor. He's literally a real live 53-year-old Sheldon Cooper. 51, sorry. He's like, he's Sheldon Cooper, okay? And here's what I really believe. I believe sometimes, Shane, you're just too dang smart for your own good. And one day, I believe, it's going to click. And I pray, and this is selfish, I don't care who the pastor is. When that day comes, I get to dunk you. I get to baptize you. Okay? I'm going fast, I promise. Two more, real quick. When we were in the cafeteria, uh, there was this girl who doesn't come here anymore, and she was, man... She doesn't come here anymore, but I'm just telling you, she was great at come and see. Her name is Lacey, and she, she, she brought you guys, right? She was great at come and see. You got to come and see, come and see. And I remember we were in the cafeteria one Sunday, and I was standing right here at the cafeteria doors greeting people as they exited this particular day, and, and this lady walks up to me, and this is exactly what she said. In fact, let me just give it away. It's Lindsay Harrison, and she's sitting back here today running pro, uh, the computer. Wave at us so they can see you, Lindsay. Lindsay comes up to me as she leaves church today, or that day in the library, and I quote, this is exactly, I'll never forget her words. She said, I just want you to know, this is a bunch of crap, but you made me laugh today, so I'm coming back next week. Those were her words. Okay. Now, I, I'm, not, I'm not judging other churches, but if you're visiting here today or if you're kicking the tires on the bridge, you might have noticed we like to have fun around here because I don't believe that Jesus died on the cross for us to frown all the time. And I believe that's one of the reasons that Lindsay kept coming back. Is because we're okay to be silly up here. It's not always serious and turn to burn, sanctified or French fried, go to hell, that stuff. I just, I, I believe that's one of the reasons she kept coming back. And I don't know how many weeks later it was, but I know it was still when we were baptizing people outside in the couch trough. I had the privilege of baptizing Lindsay Harrison. Hang on, hang on. 
see you guys are taking up my time by clapping like that, okay? <laughs> I had the, ba- the privilege of baptizing her because, because this is what we believe here at the bridge, because she came to a point in her life where she handed over the keys of her life to Jesus and said, I believe. I get it. He's the answer. He's what I've been looking for. That's why I got to baptize her. Harrison's story's not over. This is, this is crazy. Like, who'd have thought? Who'd have thought three years ago that you were about to be married? And she's already married, but I'll explain. Like, in, in just months, if nothing else, in a couple years, Lindsay will be married to Pastor Chuck Harrison. Now, let me explain. Let me explain. Where's Chuck at? Well, I saw him over. There he is. So her, her, her husband, Chuck, while coming to the bridge, God's been working on his heart. And he can do a lot of things. I'm not going to tell you all the things he can do because then you'd call him and say, will you come to my house? He, he's that guy. He can do everything. So I'm not going to say anything that he can do. But what's happened while he's been attending the bridge is God's put a call on his heart to be a pastor. And you don't know Chuck, but I do. And I'm telling you, dude, God wired inside you a pastor's heart. And you're going to be a great one. You're going to do great. Last one. On July 10th, 2015, by the way, Campbell, Nick, I don't know if you guys had an over-under of like what point that I'd start crying and couldn't stop. Like this, whatever minute that was, it's this one. And it doesn't mean that these other stories weren't special. But if we had never started this church, if not one person had ever walked through the doors of this school, God brought the Ferris family here on July 10th, 2015, and He put on our hearts, sight unseen. We never walked in the house, we never looked at it, sight unseen in the middle of the night, one o'clock in the morning. God puts on my heart, we're supposed to rent that house. 8516 Saddleman Road in Falcon. And I'm just confessing to you today, I hated that house. And it's a nice house. But I just hated it from the day we moved in. Three days after we moved into that house, on July 13th, A family moved in next door. There's a lady named Amanda and her wife and her husband Dan and their kids, Drake and Leah. And I had no idea what they were walking through. But we knew this. We weren't ever again for the rest of our lives going to be the neighbors who come home and hurry and close the garage door so our neighbors won't speak to us. And if you're that person, shame on you. 
Get to know your neighbors. Come and see. Go tell. But we can't, and, and, and I'm saying that because even as a pastor, there were seasons where we were those people. I'm confessing. But when we moved here, I said, I'm not doing that. And as you may have picked up, even if today's your first time or just being around me for a while, I'm not a chocolate chip cookie kind of guy. But we wanted to reach out to our new neighbors who had just moved in, even though we had just moved in three days before that. So I make these crackers, and it's a Mexican recipe that a friend of mine showed me years ago. And in our house, we, we call them cocaine crackers because they're addictive. And you just eat them and eat them and eat them. And I made a batch of cocaine crackers. And I went next door. And I knocked on Amanda's door. She opened the door. said, can I help you? I said, hey, I'm Steve next door. Here's some crackers. (laughs) And that's what she was thinking. Like... Who comes next door anymore and knocks on the door to welcome anybody to a neighborhood? Who does that anymore? And when they do, who brings crackers? <laughs> little by little, we had this fire pit. I hate, man, I hated that house. I'm just, I'm just confessing to you today. I hated that house. We had this fire pit in the backyard. And Dan and Amanda, who we didn't know at the time, were walking through what was about to be a terrible divorce. They started coming and sitting around the fire. We just started hanging out, man. We didn't talk about Jesus. I mean, they they didn't, you know, it wasn't like the first time they came to the, the fire. We had this track that went... Here's the four spiritual laws. If you die today, do you know for sure that you go to heaven? You don't have to do that. We just hung out. And one thing led to another, and finally Amanda came and she brought the kids. Dan didn't come. Was that library? That was library, right? Dan came a few times, but it's it, just not ready. They got divorced. But around the time that we were in the cafeteria, I don't think we had moved in the gym yet. I had the honor of baptizing Amanda and her daughter, Alea, together on the same day because they handed over the keys of their life to Jesus Christ. And since then, just like the story in The Woman at the Well, Amanda's just been saying, come and see. And literally on the front row today is her mom and dad and, and Doug and Darlene. I don't know how long it had been that you guys have been out of church, but it was a long time. And they're on the front row every week. They're in our life group, dear friends of ours. I just sold Drake my truck. And I'm, I'm telling you this. One of the joys that I've had, and it's, it has nothing to do with God whatsoever. One of the pure joys. I, you, a lot of you that haven't been here very long have no idea about this, but before I came to, 
plant this church. I coached high school football in Texas. That was what I did for a job for five and a half years. I'm just telling you, one of the joys of my three years here has been watching you play ball because God's given you a gift. And if you don't know, he's number five for Falcon. He's all everything, all stays, just an incredibly gifted athlete. And I'm just telling you, dude, it's been a joy for me to watch you play. A year or so after Dan and Amanda got divorced, an old friend came into her life named Mike. And she's like, you got to come and see. And like Doug and Darlene, been out of church for a long time. In fact, he would tell you he was done. He was done. And not only is he here on the front row every week now, he's going to apprentice this fall. He's going to be a life group leader. I'm just telling you, and this is no offense to anybody else, And last night, I drove by that house and I asked God to forgive me. This sounds so stupid, doesn't it? But I asked God to forgive me for hating that house so much because He knew. He knew we needed to live there. He knew it. I'm this silly all the time. Look at me. This is the bridge. It's why it was born. Keep doing this. Everything we've just talked about, just keep doing it. God's going to send the new leader, I promise you. Just keep doing this until he gets here. And then, and then keep doing more stuff. And I'm going to say it again. And maybe I'm just saying it because it's my last day, but I believe it. God just put it on my heart. If you're coming here and you're one of those people that are like, I'm not inviting anybody because I don't want this church to get one iota bigger, then don't come back. Because this church is about helping people bump into Jesus so He can change their lives just like He's changed ours. Change lives are what the Bridge Fellowship is all about. Jesus is the only one that can change lives. So really, sum it up. Here are my final words as the pastor of the Bridge Fellowship. The Bridge? It's Jesus, man. It's Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you for these sweet people, Jesus, who listened so long today. Thank you, Jesus, that the gospel is real. And it's not a fairy tale. And you really did die on the cross. And you really did raise again three days later to defeat death and sin so that broken, messy people like us could have a do-over, a fresh start, 
It's all because of you. Nobody looking around. We, we don't point people out here at the bridge, so just relax. I just want to tell you something. If you have not come to that point in your life where you have truly handed over the keys of your life to Jesus, please make today that day. All you have to do is just say this simple little prayer in your heart that basically says, Jesus, I know. I know I'm not good enough. I know you've you are what I've been looking for all along. Thank you for paying for what I should have paid for. And I, today I hand over my life to you. I give you the keys. And if you said that prayer today, if today was your hand over the keys day, I want you to find somebody in a blue shirt, find one of our staff today, one of our elders, and I just want you to tell them, Today I handed over the keys of my life. Will you tell me what the next step is? How do I get baptized? Because I want people to know that I'm a follower and I'm a believer. Jesus, thank you. That only you, only you, God, through the heart of a messy, broken guy like me could birth a thing like the Bridge Fellowship. I pray right now for our new leader. Wherever he is, whatever he's doing, put the bridge on his heart right now, God. Prepare him. And God, we ask you to bring him quickly. But more than that, bring your man. We want your guy to lead. God, I pray that the people sitting in these chairs today will just keep going back to their neighborhoods and back to work and just saying, come and see, man. It's a safe place. And I can't wait to come back and see what you, God, only God, what you have done in and through the people of the Bridge Fellowship. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I love you. And it has been my honor to be your pastor.